Well, thank you so much, church. I appreciate that. We love you. As Sister Jennifer said, and, see, I know that one. I may not know all the signs and all the sign language, but that one I know. I want you to do something with me today. All right? I was over here and the Lord just kind of prompted me, so if you'll just allow me, I promise it's not gonna it's not gonna be difficult and it's not gonna be, you know, a, a long drawn out thing. I want you just to raise your hand, everyone that can. Let's just worship God for a minute. Let's just tell him, thank you, God. God, we thank you so much, God. Lord, you have been so good to us, God. Lord, you have blessed us. God, and we honor you today, God. We give you thanks. We give you praise, God. Lord, we magnify you. We, we lift you up, God. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you, God. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Why don't we all just give him a hand clap of praise, God. Reading about King David and how that it wasn't 
long after he became king. It was, it was soon after he became king that he said, you know what? We've got to get the ark back in, the, in Israel. We've got to get it back in its rightful place. We can't please God without having the presence of God. And at that time, the presence of God dwelt in that ark. And he said, oh, we've got to have the presence of God back here. And so he orchestrated this big move back to bring the ark back into its rightful place. And, it, and the Bible goes into the account of, of all that David did. Hallelujah. All that David did to usher in the presence of God back into the, the, the kingdom of Israel. You know, they, they, had, they had musicians that played. They had singers that sang. They had priests that, that led the, the march. Carrying the, carrying the ark. They had people that were offering sacrifices. Yes. They, they, had, they had all kind of worship. They, the, the, the Bible tells us that David stripped off his royal robes. And he began to dance before the Lord. To, to such an extent that his wife, was looking out the window. She didn't go with him. She wasn't there. She was just looking out the window. That's a whole nother sermon. <laughs> but she was looking out the window and she said, oh, look at him making a fool of himself out there. He's out there dishonoring the, the office of the king by dancing and worshiping. But David recognized, no, I'm not dishonoring the, the office of the king. I'm setting before the people the example of what it is to please God. I don't care about what protocol says. I'm not worried about what is orderly and, and, and right in people's eyes. But I want to worship God. Tell God, Lord, 
This is your service. You're in control, and I want you to do whatever you want to do today. Listen, God's given me a message for you today. But you know what? If he wants to step in and do something different, that's all right. I'll preach it at another time. God knows better than I do. You know, sometimes we have to do some things that are uncomfortable. You know, I, I, man, I, I, I noticed today as, I, as we started, you know, and I, I purposely did the order of worship there the way that I did. We don't have a problem raising our hands. We're all right with that. We can clap our hands to God. No problem. We're good with that. Amen. We're comfortable there. Yes. We can shout unto God. We, you know, we can lift our voice and say, Hallelujah! Amen. And we're all right with that. Mm, you start talking about dancing now. <laughs> hey, listen, I'm not a dancer. You can tell by watching. I never have been a dancer. I never have enjoyed dancing. I, when I was out in the world, I didn't dance. It didn't happen. I'd sit over, I'd sit over at the table and other people could go dance. I'm not dancing. This little short guy can't move like that. Leave that to those that are more coordinated and you know. I, I love to watch Brother Warren dance. How many of you have seen Brother Don Warren dance? Man, his I don't know how he does it. His feet start moving and it's just like wow. But you know what? I'll make a fool of myself and try to dance if that pleases God. It doesn't matter to me how I look. You know, I get up here and I start jumping up and down. And I'll just be honest with you. This belly starts bouncing up and down too. You know? Hey, listen, I'm getting older. I start jumping and it doesn't take too long and I'm going God I can't do it too long let me take a break I'll do it some more but you know what I'm going to worship God to the best of my ability no matter what it takes no matter what I feel impressed to do I want to do it because I love I love to worship God God has been too good to me to hold back and say, no, no, I'm not doing it today, God. You'll have to wait to another time. No, there's no time like right now to worship Him, to lift up holy hands before Him and say, God, it's all because of you, God. Everything, God, is all because of you. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Sister Jennifer, will you help me out? Maybe Sister Narjek, you can join with us and some of you other ladies. I would like, Sister Cindy. Is it all right if we pray for you? You have surgery scheduled. Is it tomorrow? 
we're going to pray for you right now. You can stay right there. That's all right. Here, Sister Jennifer, I want you and, and some of the ladies, go anoint Sister Cindy right now. I, I feel I, I feel led of God to do this. I don't know what, what God is going to do right now, but I feel led of God that we're going to pray for you right now. And we're just going to trust God that he's going to do whatever is right. Oh, yes, hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. In the name of Jesus, God, Lord, move with Sister Cindy's body right now, God. Lord, touch, God. Heal, do miracles right now, God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. One more thing, if you would, um, I want you to pray for Sister Kayla also. And uh, Sister Kayla, while they're praying for you, I also want them, uh, if you don't mind, I would like for you to stand in for Brother Vincent. We're going to pray and, and, and pray over him also right now. Sister Jennifer, if you would... Just anoint her, pray for Sister Kayla and for Brother Vincent right now. God, you know the work, God, that you are doing right now. God, in Sister Kayla's life and in Brother Vincent's life right now, God, we ask that you would move, God. Lord, you know, God, every need, God, you know exactly what is at work. God, you know the things that they have need of right now, God. Lord, and I am praying for the miracle-working power of God just to move in their lives right now, God. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. You have to pardon me today. I get a little bit warm. I, I felt out of place a little bit last week because I had to wear a tie. <laughs> I told the bishop, I said, "Man, I had to go in the closet and you know and, and remember how to tie one of these things." I said, you know, I had to knock the dust bunnies off of these things. I hadn't worn these, and you know, it's been a year or more. And he was laughing at me. He said, oh, yeah. He said, see, we got to get you out of the country out there. Back in that city. <laughs> yeah, right, whatever. I thought God had just delivered me from that bondage. <laughs> <laughs> oh. 
Well, it is good to be back home. It's good to be back here with you. And I promise I'll give you only what God has given me today. How about that? Amen. I, I'm not going to talk about how long it'll be because we'll just see what God does. You worship hard, maybe it'll move quick and we'll, we'll just let God move. I do want to read to you one verse of scripture today, and that is 1 Samuel chapter 20 and verse 25. And uh, the scripture says, And the king sat upon his seat as at other times, even upon a seat by the wall. And Jonathan arose, and Abner sat by Saul's side, and David's place was empty. Today, I want to talk to us about a message that I've entitled Table Talk. Lord, we love you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for what you're doing in our midst today, God. Thank you for what you've already done, God. Lord, you are enough for us, God. Lord, your presence in us is enough. But God, you have given us your word, God, and I know that there is even more that you desire to do among your people today, God. Lord, I ask that you would anoint my lips today, God. Lord, the words that I speak, God. Lord, let it minister, open our hearts, our minds, our ears, God. Lord, to hear and to receive from you today, God. We thank you for it. We give you praise. We ask it in Jesus' name. Why don't you greet someone? You know, you don't have to shake their hands. Just greet them somehow as you're seated today. You know, I used to wonder why ministers would, you know, get up there and they'd start preaching. They'd take their coats off. Man, I tell you what, I'm about ready to roll my sleeves up and, you know, put a fan over here. All right. This scripture that I read here today, a lot of times we just kind of read this and just kind of pass right over. We don't think a whole lot about it. But today, I want to talk to us about table talk. How many of you uh, sit down and, and, you know, have dinner with your family or maybe growing up you had that, you know, that time where you sat around the table at dinner time and you caught up on the, you know, on the, the day's events or you talked about things? Anybody here? Man, I can tell you, growing up, oh, every night we'd sit down around the table and we'd talk about the events of the day. We may talk about world events. We may... You know, somebody may, in the course of something, you know, say a certain word or something, and we'd, you know, we'd go down the rabbit hole about that word, and, you know, we'd start into the whole entomology lessons, you know, and we'd break off into vocabulary. No telling where the topics may go, but, but we had great conversation at dinner. I can remember on Sundays, even uh, when my brothers and my sisters that are older than me, which all of them are. <laughs> but those that, uh, those that had gotten married, and, you know, they were out on their own Sunday dinner. They'd always show back up at the house for Sunday dinner. Mom had a, you know, we had a big old table in the dining room, and we'd all pull up chairs around it, 
and it wouldn't just be mom and dad and the kids, but the spouses would be there. And, and as they, uh, you know, as they started having children, we'd set up another table and we'd start having the, the children that were in there. And, and we'd all sit around there and, and dinner would, you know, we'd generally start a Sunday dinner, you know, by the time you get out of church and get home, it'd be about one o'clock. Well, it was nothing for us to be sitting there at 3.30, 4 o'clock, still sitting around the dinner table talking, still having conversation. And I can tell you some of the, you know, th there were some great things that were talked about at the table. When, when you're sitting around the table, you're generally, you're, you're sitting there with ones that are close to you, ones that you're, you're open and, and, and comfortable with, ones that you can talk to. Ones that, that you feel that you can trust. Thank God that there's some people that we can trust. Today I want to talk to you. The Bible gives us an example here about King Saul. Now King Saul was in a, he was in a bad spot in his life at this point. He had been anointed to be king. He had uh, taken the position of being king. And it wasn't very long after he started being king that he started disobeying the word of God. And it finally reached a point to where God sent the man Samuel, the prophet Samuel, sent him to Jesse's house and he said, you go anoint another man that's going to be king because I'm no longer pleased with Saul. And so he, we know the account. He goes to Jesse's house after, you know, after going through all of his brothers, he sends for David out in the field, waits till he gets there, and he anoints him, this young boy, to be king. And it's interesting because when he anoints him to be king, it says the Spirit of God rested upon him. And if you read in the Bible, about the same time you can read that the Spirit of God lifted off of King Saul. There was an anointing that went with the position. And when God said, no, you're no longer pleasing to me, that lifted off and it was on someone else. And so this account that we just read was after the Spirit of God had lifted off of King Saul. And, and the Bible even goes a step further and tells us that an evil spirit began to uh, torment Saul. King Saul continued to reign for a long time after. But he reigned on his own. He reigned on his own, on his own uh, ideas, on his own thoughts, with his own plan, with his own will. And um, so, right before this this event takes place, we know that that uh, David had been, you know, th there were threats against his life from the king, and so David wanted to know if it's all right to come back into, you know, into the king's presence, or is the king going to try to kill me? And so Jonathan said, Jonathan, the king's son, said, well, I'll tell you what, tomorrow is a feast day, and, and you're supposed to be there. He said, but don't come. He said, I'll, I'll talk to the king, and I'll come back, and I'll give you a sign. You can read the account, go through the whole thing. So we see that this is that time where Jonathan comes in before the king, and he sits down to have this meal with the king. Now, it's interesting because... Um, Jonathan had already made a choice here. He had made a choice that he was going to align himself 
with God and with God's will and with the anointed one that God had against his own father. He had made a choice, a choice that, you know, that very easily could have cost him his life. A lot of things that go with that. But the Bible talks here about these, uh, these people that were supposed to be sitting at the king's table. All right, so we saw that King Saul was there. The Bible talks about him sitting up against the wall. We see that Jonathan, who should have been sitting right next to his dad, was sitting across from him. It says that he arose. The word there actually means that he had, uh, he had gotten up and moved across the table from him. And so he was opposite him. Beautiful parallel there because he really was opposite of his father right then. But he, he said, the Bible says that he moved opposite of him and Abner, the king's uh, commanding general over all of the armies, moved in right next to King Saul. And he sat next to him. And the seat that was reserved for David was empty. So I want to talk for just a minute here uh, about these. Now we know that the king's table is a special place. Okay, it's a it's a place of, of honor and privilege, but it's also a place where the king invites in all of his, his those that are the closest to him, those that that can speak honestly to the king, those that that uh, that, that have conversations with him that no one else can have. This is a very important uh, point or, or, or scripture in the Bible because, see, we all have a table like King Saul had. We all have a place where we invite those that are close to us into our life to sit down and to talk to us openly and honestly. And today the question is, who's sitting at your table? Who do you have that speaks into your life? I want to talk about these, these people that were sitting at uh, King Saul's table. Number one, I want to talk about um, King Saul. Um, King Saul was, was sitting there, and um, well, I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself, but let me, let me back up here for a minute. Um, at this table, there are all his confidants, confidants, I'm sorry. All of these people that are sitting there. We have to realize that we need people. There's a saying that says, no man is an island. I can't serve God all on my own. Satan would absolutely love to try to separate me, to separate you from others. Because they know that united we stand, divided we fall. If we separate ourselves out from other Christians, from other people that can speak into our life, we open ourselves up to the voice of the enemy. And so um, it's important to know that, that we have that table and we have to be uh, conscious about who it is. There's another saying, it's an old saying, it says, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. I can remember uh, 
I can remember another one that my parents used to say, and they said, if you, if you lie with dogs, you'll get fleas. <laughs> You're talking about the company you keep. You know, I mean, it's important about the company we keep and who we allow to speak into our lives. Um, if you look in the book of Proverbs, it's interesting because uh, wisdom is portrayed by a lady that's sitting at a table inviting us to come and to sit and to eat at her table. Wisdom is a team effort, just like serving God is a team effort. We can't serve God all by ourselves. We need other people. If, if you ever wonder, well, why do I have to, you know, why does God want me to go to church? Because you need other people. You, you need your friends and your family in church. You need your brothers and sisters in Christ. We draw strength. We gain wisdom from them. Let me give you a few scriptures out of Proverbs. It talks a little bit about wisdom. Proverbs 11 and 14 says, Where no counsel is, the people fall. But in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. Counselors, people that speak into our lives. Proverbs 15 and 22 says, Without counsel, purposes are disappointed. But in the multitude of counselors, they are established. Proverbs 24 and 6 says, For by wise counsel... Thou shalt make thy war, and in multitude of counselors there is safety. See, that's like I said, that's why your church family is so important, because if you're facing a spiritual battle, you need people to counsel you, to encourage you, to pray for you, to stand up with you. And, and the church is under attack right now, and the enemy would love to separate people from the body of Christ. It amazes me how many churches are, are, are down in number right now. Thank God we're, we're, you know, we're good. People with COVID and, and all of this going on, people have come back to church. Right. I, I know there are a few that are out today, but normally they're here. Right. And, and, you know, we're doing good. People have come back to church. But there are so many churches today that, you know, they're, they're at half or less of the capacity. And you're starting to see that the churches are even facing division from within, from those that are vaccinated and those that are not vaccinated. Brother, Brother Jacob, there you are. I was wondering where you went. Thank you for sending me that the other day. Do you remember it? He sent me a, I don't know where it came from. Maybe it was on a church sign or something. I don't know. But it said, forget the Delta variant. We've got the Alpha and Omega. Come back to church. <laughs> you know, listen, I, I do not discount the fact that that COVID is, is a serious thing. People have died from it. There are people that are getting very sick from it. I do not discount that. But what I also don't discount is the fact that God's still in control. Amen. God's still a healer. God still can protect. God can still take care of me. And God's will be done. Amen. 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 All right. Proverbs 27, 17. Iron sharpeneth iron. So a man sharpeneth the countenance of his friends. Now, man, that's a scripture that, you know, oh yes, iron sharpens iron. I need my brother. You know what? When iron sharpens iron, there's some sparks sometimes. 
And you know, sometimes when we're, you know, we're sitting there, we're talking to a friend and they disagree with us, we begin to bow up a little bit. We go, oh, wait a minute, how dare you say that to me? That's, that's those sparks. They're being struck together and those sparks are coming off. You know what? It's okay. Without those sparks, there's no work that's being done. Sometimes we've got some rough edges that need to be knocked off. Sometimes there's some things that come up in our life that, that we need to have smoothed out and, and taken away. And iron sharpeneth iron. Thank God for the fact that, you know, that we've got people that can speak into our life. Friends that, that are good godly friends. Family within the church that, that are there to, to help us. Amen. Mm. A true friend will speak the truth in love. And sometimes it may hurt a little bit, but it's going to make us better and it's going to help us to live right. Amen. 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 Now, a lot of uh, scholars, this, this next scripture, they say that the main point of the book of uh, Proverbs is all captured in Proverbs verse, or chapter 9, verse 10. Okay? And probably most of you could, could quote that verse. But I want us to look at this verse in the context that it's written, okay? So I'm going to back up to verse 7 and begin reading. I'll read 7 through 10. Proverbs chapter 9, verse 7 says, He that reproveth a scorner get to him, getteth to himself shame, and that he that rebuketh a wicked man getteth himself a blot. So the writer here instructs us, Reprove not a scorner, lest he hate thee. Rebuke a wise man, and he will love thee. Give instruction to a wise man, and he will be wiser. Teach a just man, and he will increase in learning. Verse 10, then, that, that kind of sums up the whole meaning of Proverbs says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the holy is understanding. What the scripture there is talking about the fear of the Lord is Understanding God, knowing who God is, and understanding Him is what's going to give us wisdom. It's, it's by understanding that, that God is God of everything. He's the Almighty. He, he is the source of all that we need. When we begin to understand who God is, it gives us wisdom because that guides our thinking. When we understand God and we understand his ways, then it gives us knowledge of, of how he works and, and how he's going to operate in our situation. Amen. But see, that only comes with people that are wise, people that will receive that. If you're a scorner and someone comes to you and tries to correct you, first thing you're going to do is you're going to bow up and say, how dare they tell me that? They don't know me. They don't know my situation. Who do they think they are? I'll tell you what. How you react to correction will tell you a whole lot about who you are. Are you a wise person or are you a scorner? Mm. All right. All right. Now, King Saul has at this point in his life, he's become a man that thinks that, that uh, he gets to make all the choices because he's king and that the laws of God don't really apply to him. Okay? Read through First uh, and Second Samuel, you'll see how, how King Saul just kind of disregards the things of God. He's gotten into the bad habit of disregarding God's laws 
for his own thoughts and his own, uh, own ideas. One of the greatest failures in King Saul's life is that he's sitting at a table that's dysfunctional. You know, we talk about our families being dysfunctional. King Saul had a table that was of his own design that was dysfunctional. Listen, you can't choose your family. But you can choose who sits at your table. And King Saul wasn't even wise enough to choose good people to sit at his table. Mm. So he sits at a table with his back against the wall, the Bible tells us. Now, how in the world can a leader, a ruler, lead when his back against, is against the wall? Having your back against the wall represents fear. It, it represents that, man, I'm, I'm constantly in fear. I, 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 nobody can get me from behind because there's a wall there, so I can see everything that's going on. Why was King Saul that way? He was that way because he knew his own self. He knew how he was. He knew that he would cheat and lie and destroy people, and he thought everybody else was the same way. And so he was constantly on guard going, who's out to get me? Who's going to do this? Who, you know, how are they going to react to this? And so he, he was trying to rule from a place of fear. You can't rule from a place of fear. You can't live your life in fear. God has not given us a spirit of fear. God has given us a sound mind because he's our protector. He's our shield. He's our strength. Oh, whew, come on. See, he thinks, Saul, King Saul here thinks that others can't be trusted because he knows he can't be trusted. Saul sat on the throne for 40 years, but for most of his reign, he can't trust other people. There was a, a, a very short span of time that he acted normally. And then after that point, you can see throughout the rest of his life the paranoia that took hold. Everybody's out to get me. Somebody's going to do something. And, and you know, I, I've got to do things my own way. I've got to be in charge all the time or something bad's going to happen. One of the greatest voices that God gave to Saul to speak into his life was the one of the prophet Samuel. The prophet Samuel was a, a gift from God to Saul. Had Saul obeyed the words and, and listened to the voice of Samuel, his life would have ended up so much different. Amen. Scripture tells us a little, about, a little bit about Samuel uh, and, and what a great man of God he was and, and how that he was a man that ple you know, the, uh, a man of God that, that did what was right. Let me, let me tell you here. Um, 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 19 tells us, and Samuel grew, this is when he was a young child, it says Samuel grew and the Lord was with him and did let none of his words fall to the ground. In other words, listen, if he spoke it, God honored him. Man, can you imagine having a relationship with God that whatever you spoke, God honored and it happened. Amen. None of your words fell to the ground and, and didn't produce what they were supposed to. 1 Samuel 7 and 9 begins, it says, Samuel took a, a sucking lamb and offered it uh, for the burnt offering, holy unto the Lord. And Samuel cried unto the Lord for Israel, and the Lord heard him. 
And as Samuel was offering up the burnt offering, the Philistines drew near to battle against Israel. But the Lord thundered with a great thunder on that day upon the Philistines and discomfited them. And they were smitten before Israel. And the men of Israel went out of Mizpah and pursued the Philistines and smote them until they came unto Bethkar. Then Samuel took a stone and set it between Mizpah and Shion and called the name of it uh, Ebenezer, saying, Hitherto have the Lord helped us. So the Philistines were subdued, and they came no more into the coast of Israel. And the hand of the Lord was against the Philistines all the day of Samuel. So, listen, you've got a man that has proven his relationship with God and how great God, you know, the, the great things that God does through this man and for this man because of his obedience, because of his trust in God, because of, you know, his relationship with God. But Saul chooses to disregard Samuel. Notice that at, at King Saul's table, there wasn't even a chair for Samuel. It was never even mentioned. There wasn't even a place at his table for the prophet. There wasn't a place in his life for a man of God. Thank God for the church today. You're here, and, and I can, as the pastor, I can tell you, you are responsive to the to the words that the man of God speaks, not only me, but through through the bishop, through you know uh, other other men of God that come in and speak, brother Chris, other other ministers that come and minister. You're responsive to that word, and I thank God for that. I I thank you for being responsive to that and allowing the the voice of the man of God to speak into your life. But we have so many today that are not allowing the voice of God, the man of God, to speak into their life. Yeah. There are churches that are filled today with people that are in service. They're hearing the word of God right now as, as, as we're speaking. The word of God is going forth. And there are people that are sitting there going, oh, yeah, you know, that man, that really, so-and-so really needs to hear that. You know, man, that's, that's really good for this one over there. And they're never examining themselves and saying, God, what about me? God, speak to me with this word. The Bible tells us in uh, 1 Samuel 15 and 35, and it says, And Samuel came no more to see Saul until the day of his death. Nevertheless, Samuel mourned for Saul, and the Lord repented that he had made Saul king over Israel. Can I just tell you today that if there is somewhere a parent, an apostolic parent, or an apostolic minister that is mourning over some of your decisions, that, that you know, is, is still weeping tears and saying, God, you got to get a hold of them. They've made some wrong choices, and they need to correct them. Listen, we've all done things in our past, and we need to set some things right. right. And sometimes it takes some time in our walk with God for those to surface and for us to deal with those things. Amen. But somewhere, if you've, if you've done some things, there's probably a, an apostolic parent, a godly, uh, you know, a godly influence in your life, a man of God that, that, is, that is crying out and praying for you. 
And if there is one of those in your life, just be assured that he's not there by himself. God is also looking, and God is also displeased and saying, oh, I wish they would turn to me. I wish they would come and, and, and repent of that thing, and, and, and let me straighten that out. Let me forgive them of that. We need to make sure that, that there is a voice in our life. We have been given a gift of God uh, or a gift by God of an older generation. Men and women that have, have lived before us and gone before us. Maybe they're still alive today. Maybe they're not. Maybe they've already gone on. But we can look at their life and we can see how they served God. And we need those voices in our life to speak to us so that we don't forget the old ways. So that we don't get caught up in some new way and transgress against the Word of God. Oh, but we need elder voices in our life. Mm. Not just good friends, not just contemporaries, but some elders, some elder saints, some elder pastors that have seen the ways of God and can speak to me about how God moves, yeah, how things please God. Amen. Listen, I can tell you, you never get to a point in your walk with God where you don't need someone that you look to as, as, a, as an elder in your life saying, teach me, yes, show me the way. We need a voice of experience in our life. If, if you're here today and you don't have someone that, that, that sometimes you look at and you're kind of in awe of their walk with God and say, you know what, I've got a ways to go to be like that person. You need to get a hold of somebody. You need to find somebody that can be that example in your life. Someone that can, can get a hold of you and speak into your life. Maybe it's through their actions. Maybe it's through their words. Maybe it's just through the life that they live. Oh, but we need elders. Yes. Mm, hallelujah. Listen, the, no matter what others say and do, no matter what other churches teach, no matter what other people think, we have a holy obligation to preach and to follow the faith that was once delivered unto the saints. Now, what does that mean? That means that the, the words that the apostles preached, the doctrine that they taught, it, it's the same today as it was when they spoke it. Amen. The word of God doesn't change. There's churches out there today that are changing their message. Yes. They're, they're lightening things up and saying, oh, we need to, you know, uh, we, we, we don't need to look at that. We're living in a different time today. No, we're not. We're living in the same dispensation that the apostles lived in. We're serving the same God that they serve. We have the same uh, salvation message that they had. The, the scripture back in Acts tells us we've got to repent, be baptized in Jesus' name, and filled with the Holy Ghost if we're going to be saved. And you know what? When that was spoken 2,000 years ago, it's still true today. The Bible hasn't changed. God's Word hasn't changed. His laws haven't changed. And we need someone 
others are accepting. The word of God hasn't changed. Don't you change. Woo, hallelujah. Come on, let's just thank God for a moment. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You know, so many times we tell our young people that the uh, that if the only ones that are speaking into your lives are, are friends that are your age and, and, you know, the ones that are, you know, all concerned with, you know, Facebook and Twitter and TikTok and social media and all these things and they're consumed with that and they, they know all about the, the latest movies and they know all about the latest music and they know all of these things. If, if those are the ones that are speaking into your life and they don't know anything about God, guess what? you got the wrong people sitting at your table. Amen. And sometimes we send that message out to our young people. Listen, it doesn't matter if you're young, if you're old. It doesn't matter who you are. We all need to hear that message. Listen, we don't need to allow people that are not godly people speaking into our lives and directing our path with God. I, I, you know, listen, there are tons of people on social media that have all kind of ideas. And Lord bless them. But if it doesn't align with the word of God, I don't want them speaking into my life. Can, can I just be plain with you for a minute? Alright, and let me just speak to you as your pastor. There are so many saints of God that I hear. A lot of them don't think I hear what they're saying. But they spend all week long listening to televangelists, and you know, they're they're out there listening to all of these preachers that are not apostolic preachers. They're out there feeding all of this into their spirit. Oh, they're getting some truth, but they're also getting some that's not true. A little bit of poison is still poison. Man, I know that. Listen, if you, if you want to hear preaching, I can promise you there is apostolic preaching galore that is available to you, that is out there. You couldn't watch it all in the rest of your lifetime. I, I've introduced my, you know, my mom and dad to all of the different apostolic teaching that's on YouTube. And, and man, my mom, you know, her and my dad... Every day they, they have a, a, a devotion they watch in the morning. They have a Bible study, that they, a series that they follow uh, right after that. And then in the afternoon they come in from doing whatever and it's too, you know, it's too hot to be outside. And they've got several apostolic men of God that they go and say, well, what did they preach Sunday? What, they, what, what did this one preach Sunday? I want to hear a word from them also. And they're filling their life with the word, but it's not from someone that doesn't even know the plan of salvation. Amen. Uh, listen, I, I'm just being very, very plain with you today. Listen, you got to be careful who you let sit at your table. Amen. Come on. Amen. We've got to have someone that speaks truth to us about the Word of God. Not 
partial truth, not snippets of truth, but the whole truth. The truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. So help us God. We need that. I, I don't need somebody that'll talk to me and, you know, true, true, true. Well, let me slip a lie in here. True, true. Let me slip my own opinion in here. All right, I'm going I'm to I'm step off of that. Jonathan was the one that should have been sitting closest to Saul, but he wasn't. He was sitting opposite from his dad. It's always a warning sign to us when your friends know more about you, about your dreams, and about your plans than your family does. You want to see if somebody's heading down a, a, a path that's dangerous? Talk to their family and see if they really know who that person is. Is that person really who they are when they're with their friends? Or do they just know the little facade that's being put on? Hey, listen, it's easy for us to, you know, we can fight and bicker and, and have all kind of nonsense going on on the way to church on Sunday morning. And then when we walk in the doors, everybody straightens up, we put a smile on our face, and we come in and we, whoo, I serve God, praise the Lord, I want his will. Come on, it's easy to do that kind of thing. But God knows who you really are. You want to know who somebody is? Look at how they are at home. Because when you're at home and you're there with people that, that you trust, people that know you, you let your hair down, you begin to you know loosen up and relax, you become who you really are. Your family should, should know who you really are. And believe me, they do. <laughs> Listen, growing up, I, when I was out of church, for those of you that know my family, that know my parents, that know my, my brother and my sisters, you know that they serve God. And it was expected that we serve God, that I served God. Right. And I knew as a, as a rebellious teenager that... If I tried to go do the, the nonsense that I wanted to do, that my wife would be miserable at home. And I didn't want to move out because I was too cheap. <laughs> Just being honest with you. I had it good at home. And so you know what I did? I put on a facade. When I was at home, I talked the talk. I went to church. I did all the things that were expected of me. Oh, but when I walked out the door of the house and I got around my friends, I became another person. Can, can I just be transparent with you here? All right. I, I became another person. And there were things that went on in my life that my friends knew about that my family never knew about. And oh, I, I thought it was all good. Everything was going great. Till all of a sudden, my pastor had a dream one night. He, he came to me, and, and he sat me down, and he said, hey, let me tell you this dream I have. And he began to lay all this out about things that, that I was doing in this dream. Ooh. 
And I stood there, and I, you know, I'm, I'm listening to this, and I'm thinking, man, you are in it now. There ain't no getting out of this. And, and I told him, I, he, he said, what do you think about that drink? Me being a little smart aleck teenager, I said, I, I think you need to stop eating pizza before you go to bed. <laughs> and my pastor, he said, okay, okay. He got up and he walked out. And it, it was just a, a, a few nights later, and I, I can tell you, I, I was at that, that crossroads in my life. I was at that point where I had to make a decision because there were other voices in my life that were saying, hey, let's just move out. I, I got a place we can go to. Let's go up there and we'll just, you know, we'll, we'll get out on our own. We'll do what we want. We'll have to worry about what our family says. We, it, it doesn't matter what God's saying. And then my, my parents talked me into going to a camp meeting one night. And I, I'm, I'm struggling back and forth with all this. I'm battling with this. And, and the preacher gets up at a camp meeting. There's, there's, you know, several hundred young people at this camp meeting. I'm not even registered there. I'm just a guest, just showed up for a service one night. Place is packed. The man of God gets up, tears in his eyes. He begins to apologize to everybody there. He said, listen, I got to tell you, this is not what I want to preach tonight. This is not what is going to minister to everybody here. I've got a sermon tonight that God will not let me, uh, let me free of, and it's for one person here tonight. And he began to preach, and he began to just read my mail. Listen, you can think that, oh, I can put on this facade, and it's all right. God knows. And if God knows, he's got a way of getting a hold of it. Mm. Church, I'm sorry. That's not in my notes. This is not where I had intended this to go right here at this particular point. But, God, you know. You can't hide from God. You can't hide what's going on in your life. Oh, you may hide it from me. I may not know. Listen, I sat under several pastors with this nonsense going on in my life, and they never had a clue. But when God finally said it's enough, it all surfaced. It was time to pay the piper. It's that way in all of our lives. Thank God there are men of God that are willing to, to step up and say, all right, here's what you need to do. And thank God for family that will stand beside you and, and help you. Listen, don't try to hide things from family. You are, you, you are who you are, and hopefully that's someone that's pleasing to God. And if it's not, trust me, your family will know. You know, there, there's parents out there that, you know, they oh, man, I want my kids to serve God. Well, do you serve God? Oh, I know you go to church, but do you serve God? Right. Do, do you live the life that you want your kids to live? 
Because they're looking at you and they know who you are. All right, all right. Man. Lord. <laughs> all right, all right. So, Jonathan. We see him. Abner. I skipped over Abner. Abner is sitting there and he's moved in into Jonathan's seat. He's sitting where, where Jonathan should have sat, and he's over there sidled up next to the king. Hey, I'm your buddy. I'm your friend. I, I'm loyal to you. Really? Oh, yeah. King, it's, you know, man, you're right. You're right. But one of those yes men. He's there building up the king. Everything the king said, man, that's a good idea, king. Oh, yeah, you're right on that, king. Come on, king. We need to do that now. Oh, the king, that must have come from God. Oh, that was the greatest idea. That was who Abner was. He was there building Saul up and saying, yeah, he didn't care about the king. And he really didn't care about the kingdom. He cared about himself and looking good. And, and, and when things started going bad for King Saul, guess what Abner did? He tried to switch sides. He, he abandoned the king and went over here and said, oh, hey, let me help you out. He, he tried to get on the good side of King David, or of David at the time. He tried to switch over here and say, hey, listen, King Saul over there, man, he's out of line. I don't know what that means. Think, David, you're, you're the one that's anointed to be king. We don't need people that are just there to be yes men for us. We don't need people that aren't true friends to us. Right. Mm. But Jonathan showed himself to be a true friend to David. Right. I preached about it last week, the fact that Jonathan made a choice in his life to give up what was rightfully his position in the, in the, in the kingdom. He was the heir apparent. Right. He was the one that should have been king after Saul. Amen. But he gave that up because he recognized the anointing had been passed to David. And he did it to such a point in 1 Samuel 18 and 4, it says that Jonathan stripped himself of the robe that was upon him and gave it to David and his garments, even to his sword and to his bow and to his girdle. He took it all and said, listen, these are royal robes. These are, the, 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 you know, at the time, the only two swords that were in the kingdom was Saul's and Jonathan. They were the only two that had a sword in the kingdom because of the Philistines. Right. And he said, listen, David, you're the one that's supposed to be king, not me. Let me give my royal garments to you. I, 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 listen, I'm aligning myself with you. I'm going to be a true friend with you. Right. We need some true friends that are willing to, to make some sacrifices for us. If, if there's someone that tells you that they love you, They'll be willing to make sacrifices for you. They'll, they'll do things that are uncomfortable for you. When we begin worshiping God this morning, and I begin to ask people, hey, why don't we dance before the Lord? All of a sudden, it got a little uncomfortable. And we started backstepping a little bit. Listen, sometimes we do some things that are uncomfortable. Sometimes God will ask us to do some things that are uncomfortable. That's okay. Hey, listen, God, I love you. If that's what you want me to do, okay, I'll do it. Amen. Amen. 
That's the attitude we have to have. Right. And then finally, we, we've talked about Saul. We've talked about Adam. We've talked about John. But the one that was absent from the table, had a seat there, but that was absent, was David. And David represented the anointing. We can't have a table that is functional, that's going to operate properly, if we don't have some anointing there. Amen. We need the Spirit of God. That's what the anointing that rested on them was. It was the Spirit of God. Amen. It wasn't just some oil that was poured over them. We can take the cap off of this oil and pour it on you all day long. The oil doesn't do anything. It's the anointing, the Spirit of God that moves. It's the uh, Spirit of God that changes us and makes us into what God wants us. And we've got to have the Spirit of God in our table guiding us and directing us and leading us. Mm. See, the Spirit of God rested on David and it was lifted off of Saul. And so, uh, so at that time, Saul didn't have any spirit there. He needed David around. We, we can read how that, you know, when that evil spirit came on him, what did he do? He said, go find me somebody that can play, that can come in and, and ease this, this feeling. Who'd they get? David, the one that had the anointing, the one that had the spirit of God on him, and said he would come in before Saul, and he'd sit down and begin to play the harp. And as he did, the spirit of God overcame the evil spirit that was there and the evil spirit left. That's right. You want to know why you why it's so important that you keep yourself filled with the spirit? So that the evil spirits that would try to do you harm have to leave. That's right. You don't make room. The Bible says don't give place to the devil. Oh, whoo, man. Somebody needs to get hold of that. Don't you make place for the devil. Don't, don't clear out a spot and invite the devil to come sit down at your table. You let the Holy Ghost move into your life. You be filled with the Holy Ghost and stay filled with the Holy Ghost so there's no room in your life for those evil presences to come in. Man, there's so many people that, that battle trailing demons. You know what a trailing demon is? It's a demon that will follow you around. Right. You go in some place where there's some, some evil things going on. You go in some places that you have no business being. And those spirits will kind of follow you along to see, is there a place at their table that I can look at? Is there a place at their table where I can find a room and come, come saddle up beside me? Not, not, not here. Not here. That's the spirit. That's the attitude. Say, you ain't coming in here. Beside you. Right. Sit down beside you and start whispering in your ear. Right. Right. Scripture tells us to resist the enemy right. and he will flee from you. Right. He'll run. Right. Listen, we need to put the devil on the run. We, we, need to, we need to push him out and say, no way. Right. You're not welcome here. That's right. Right. David proved 
when he was king that he could be a fanatic about God. We talked about the worship that David did. He proved that, listen, it doesn't matter what other people think. It doesn't matter how it appears to you. It doesn't matter how it appears to my wife that's up here looking out from her window. It doesn't matter how it appears to anybody but God. I've got to make room at my table for the Spirit of God. Stand with me today. Listen, today, I, I, I know that I'm preaching to the church. And, you know, so many times when we're preaching the Word of God, there, there are people there that, you know, listen, you're doing these things. And, and I'm, not, I'm not sitting here slamming you saying you're not. But I'm sitting here just as a reminder. I'm sitting here giving you, uh, giving you a word from God to make sure that, listen, all of these areas in my life are protected. Maybe there's some area that I need to, you know, I need to strengthen a little bit. Amen. Maybe I've not been praying in the Spirit. Do you know that praying in the Spirit is a very powerful thing? Amen. Now, a lot of times, you know, we pray, and we'll pray in our natural tongue. And, and you know, that's good. Amen. That's great. But when you pray in the Spirit, Satan has no idea what's being said. That's right. That's right. You're praying in tongues. Satan, it's like there is a, there's an encrypted message leaving your lips into the throne of God. Amen. The Holy Ghost, the Spirit of God is praying through you, speaking words that are, that are edifying, Amen. words that are powerful and anointed. They're speaking, going from you to heaven's throne, and right. Satan has no idea what's being said. Amen. You could be forming a battle plan against something that the enemy's uh, prepared for you. You may not know it, but God knows it. And the Spirit of God is saying, hey, let me, let me allow this to, to, to be thwarted right now. Amen, yeah. If, if you don't, in, in your prayer life, if you don't pray in tongues, let me just tell you, you're missing something powerful. Amen. If you don't, Take that opportunity. Listen, get along with God. It, it doesn't have to be that you pray in tongues for 30 minutes. But just pray in tongues. Amen. Start practicing. Start developing that. Allow that to happen in your life. Because you will overcome the, the enemy through those prayers. Amen. Yeah. There will be victory in your life that you've not been able to attain yet. That's right. Amen. Oh. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus. Yes, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. God, I thank you. God, I thank you, Lord. God, for, for godly influences in our lives, God. Lord, for pastors and preachers and evangelists and, and, and prophets and men of God that speak into our lives. I thank you for godly families, Lord. 
God, I thank you for, for, for my church family, God. Lord, for, for friends and brothers and sisters in Christ, God. Lord, that join together, that, that love us, that pray for us, that lift us up, God. Lord, that battle the enemy alongside of us, God. Lord, that we can attain victory in our lives, God. I thank you for them, God. Lord, and most of all, I thank you for your spirit, God. Lord, I thank you for the spirit of the Holy Ghost, God. Lord, that, it, that empowers me, God, that fills me, God, gives me power over every power of the enemy. There is no weapon that, that the enemy can form against me, God, that can prosper, not because of me, not because of my goodness, not because of my talent, God, not because of anything with me, but because of you, because of your spirit, God, Lord, that you filled me with, God. Oh, I thank you, Lord, that the church, God, has this. Lord, that we have you alive inside of us, God. Oh, church, why don't you just lift your hands to the Lord right now? Just begin to thank Him. Lord, just begin to lift up the name of Jesus. Talk to Him today. Oh, hallelujah. Lord God, let the Holy Ghost just flow among us today, God. Lord, 